0: been going through this study, we started with chapter one last week, and uh, we read as Elimelech took his family out of Bethlehem because of a famine. And so they went to Moab. And Moab wouldn't be the place that, you know, Jews would go on vacation. Uh, that would be like, oh let's go to vacation in Yuma. Uh, you know there's just something, <laughs> not that there's anything wrong. If there's anyone watching from Yuma, we love you. And, and <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with Yuma, but that's not a vacation spot, you know what I'm saying? So, um, so when Elimelech took his family Uh, Naomi, Malon, and Chilion, and they left, and they went to Moab. Uh, It was because of food. He wanted to be provided uh, for his family, and that's where he was going to find uh, food. So he went there, and uh, things didn't turn out so well. He died right away, leaving his wife a widow. Fortunately, Malon and Chilion had married uh, Moabite women, and now uh, they are uh, helping provide for Naomi until they die, the the sons die. And now it's three widows together that are living there in Moab. And, uh, you know, Naomi just was just destitute. She didn't know what to do. She had nothing. It was all taken away from her. And she heard that there was food, that God had blessed Bethlehem again and Judah, and now she's planning on going back there. There's nothing for her in Moab. She's a Jew living in a foreign land, and, and they weren't well accepted there. So this was... Um, her time to go back to where she knew the people, where she was used to the customs. It was her husband that brought her there. So now she can go back to what she's familiar with and Ruth goes with her. Orpah decided to stay, Orpah was um, um, probably Malon's wife and uh, and she stayed. but. Ruth said, no, I'm going to go with you. Where you go, I'm going to go. Where you live, I'll live. Your God will be my God, and I will stick with you until death separates us. So that was just a sweet outpouring from Ruth. And at that point, Naomi said, okay, let's go. And they went back to Bethlehem. So Ruth gets there and says, okay, what can I do to help? Because Naomi has nothing. She went back to nothing. So what can I do now to help? And she learns about gleaning. Remember, this is a different culture, different traditions, different customs. And she learns about gleaning. She can go and pick up after the reaper's at the harvest and uh, collect grain. And at least they'll have some food to eat at this point. And so she goes out into the fields, gleaning and uh, picking up food. So we're gonna pick this up in chapter two and verse one. There was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth, of the family of Elimelech, his name was Boaz. And so Boaz was a man of great wealth. Notice Boaz stayed. He didn't leave. He stayed, and he was a man of great wealth. And so God had blessed him during this time. Um, Naomi and the family were probably in Moab for about a little over 10 years. And so now uh, she's back in Bethlehem, and Boaz is thriving there in Bethlehem. And so Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him whose sight I may find favor. And she said to her, go, my daughter. And then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. And so she goes not knowing which field she's going to. She just knows in Leviticus 19 verses 9 through 10 that she's able to go and to pick the grain from the corners of the field. Leviticus, there was a law that was given by God. Let the corners of the field stay. Don't reap them. Don't harvest them. And let them stay. And those that are poor and from other countries, from other nations, can come and pick on those corners. So this was a form of God's welfare to the people. Poor people can be provided for. They just have to go and pick the grain. And and also if while they're harvesting, they drop some on the ground, that's supposed to stay there so they can also pick that also, you know, and, and have that grain. So they're not supposed to pick everything up off the ground. And now behold Boaz, came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered him, the Lord bless you. This wasn't planned. This wasn't the daily blessing of Boaz. Boaz just lived with the blessings of the Lord on his lips. And so here he comes into his field. These are reapers that are reaping. These are people that work for him. They're employees. And they're just doing a job, but he calls out a blessing upon them. The Lord bless you. And they return the blessing to him. That shows you what kind of man he is and the character he has and also how they received him. They want to bless him back. The Lord bless you. And so he must have really been well-liked among all of those that work with him and, and those people that are employed by him. And then Boaz said to his servant who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? So obviously he saw someone in the field that he didn't recognize and that's Ruth. And he said, who is she? And so the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered and said, "It is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab and Ruth then said to Boaz, "Please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves." And so she came and continued from morning until now, uh, excuse me he she said that to the uh, to the head of the reapers and she came from morning. She continued from morning until now, though she rested a little while in the house. And so, here the the head reaper, the head guy, is telling Boaz who Ruth is. She came with Naomi, and here uh, she is reaping and she's working hard. She came in the morning, and she was reaping all day. There was a little time where she spent in the house, but she's out there busy the whole day. Then Boaz said to Ruth, you will listen, my daughter, will you not? Do not go to glean in another field, nor go from here, but stay close by my young woman. And so Boaz had young women that were working the field also, and he said, stay by them. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap, and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? What that really says is, I have commanded the young men not to touch you. And so she knows that he is protecting her. This is the kind of love and compassion that Boaz had, not only for Ruth, but for his people. And you can tell that he puts a hedge of protection around his people, a covering. This is a likeness of Christ, a likeness of Jesus who protects us and cares about us and loves us that way. And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. And so now she can partake freely of whatever is being brought by the, the young men that go to the well, and then bring, and this is not only for her. He does this for all his workers, but he's letting her know, you're included. I'm gonna protect you too, which is unusual because she is a Moabitess. Uh, Moabites weren't welcome. They weren't really um, uh, friendly with the Jews. And so this was rare, that someone would open up and welcome them the way that he is. So she fell on her face, bowed down to the ground and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? And she just puts it right out there, look, I'm, I know who I am, I'm a Moabitess, and I know that I'm a foreigner. And You are showing unusual kindness to me. You know, we can show the same kindness to people in our world. We need to show the same kindness to people in our world. Uh, People that are struggling, you know, people that are refugees from other places that come here and they don't know our customs. Uh, They are, they were raised in maybe troubled places. Uh, You know, I'm not for open borders because I believe that every nation needs to protect itself, but when we have people that come to our country from other places, we shouldn't tell them go home because we're all from other places. We all came from somewhere else you know, down down the food chain a ways. And so here there he Boaz is welcoming her and she recognizes it. Why Did you take notice of me, a foreigner? And Boaz answered and said to her, It has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband and how you have left your father and your mother and the land of your birth and have come to a people whom you did not know before. Uh, So Boaz was heard about Ruth. He heard that Naomi is back. He heard It must have been a small town. And everyone knows everyone's business, right? And they didn't have texting. They didn't have TV. They didn't have anything to distract them. So the only thing that they did have was communication with each other. What's new in town? Oh, let me tell you you know, Naomi's back, and she brought back, you know, one of the wives of her son who came with her, a Moabite woman, and here she is, you know, she's out there working in the field and providing and helping Naomi, and so he heard about what Ruth was up to, and now in verse 12, he said, the Lord repay your work, and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel under whose wing you have come for refuge. You see, he wasn't like the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the elite Jewish rulers who wouldn't even talk to a Moabite woman. That wouldn't even be Something they would think of doing. You know, they would, you know, keep her away from the leaders. But here's Boaz saying, the Lord repay you. The Lord bless you. The Lord provide for you. Under whose wings you have come for refuge. Because really that's what she did. Remember, she left her home, her pagan people... And she came to Israel not knowing the customs and, and the things. The only way she knew anything about Israel was through Elimelech, Naomi. Well, she probably didn't get much from Elimelech because he died right away. And from her husband, who obviously he wasn't really walking in the proper way of Judaism because he married a Moabite woman. You wouldn't do that if you were Jewish. If you were a practicing Jew, you just wouldn't do that. So here, the only way that she was learning about the Lord was through Naomi, who was a little bitter with God at that point. Look, you brought me out of Bethlehem to Moab, killed off my husband, my two sons. She felt bitter when she came back you know, they said, oh, Naomi, you're back, you're back. Naomi means pleasant. And she said, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, which means bitter, because she's bitter from what happened to her. And she thought the Lord had something to do with it. But Ruth is now being told Boaz, tells her, you're under the wings of the Lord. You're being protected by the Lord. And then she said, let me find favor in your sight, my Lord. Different Lord. That's just a a, a term term of respect for a leader. For you have comforted me and have spoken kindly to your maidservant. Though I am not like one of your maidservants. I'm not Jewish. I'm not part of your culture. But you have spoken kindly to me and let me find favor in your sight. And now Boaz said to her at mealtime, come here and eat of the bread and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. And so she sat beside the reapers and passed parched grain to her. And she sat and was satisfied and kept some back. So she ate enough to where she had her fill. And then she kept some back. She took a doggy bag. That's that's what that means. So And when she rose to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. See, she couldn't pick off the sheaves. Uh, She couldn't pick if they have bundles there. She couldn't pick that. She had to wait for the stuff to fall on the ground. That's what gleaning is. You can't just pick the stuff that was able to be used and sold in the market. So um, he said, even if she does that, you know, don't reproach her. And let grain from the bundles fall purposefully for her. Leave it that she may glean and do not rebuke her. And so now he's setting it up so she has more than just what the others are getting. What Because uh, she's not the only one there gleaning. There are other poor people there in the field, other women that are there gleaning at the same time. And she's... Going to benefit, you know. You ever have you ever thrown bread down for the birds, and uh, you know you you're looking, and there's always that one bird that gets to it before every other bird, you know. And you're like, no, I wanna I wanna feed that one over there, and you throw it there, and that other one gets over there, and he and and so. You know, so you plan for how I'm going to distribute the bread to make sure that th- that sickly looking duck gets it, you know. And, um, but he is making sure that she has an abundance, that she's going to be able to pick uh, even before the others are going to be able to get to it. And so she gleaned in the field until evening, and beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an epa of barley. And so she's gleaning, she's collecting this stuff, and then she beats it out. So you know, all of you farmers in here know what I'm talking about right? So beating out the grain means that you're taking, um, uh, you know, a, a, a rake-like object, a fan type object, and you're banging the grain. And what it does is it separates uh, the stuff you don't want from the grain itself, and it just makes it fall apart. So the heavier part, the grain, stays together, and then the, all of the chaff uh, falls off later on you winnow and what you do is you take a shovel and winnowing is throwing it up in the air and then the wind takes the chaff away the light stuff away and the heavy grain falls to the ground and now you have the grain so that's what she was doing was beating it out to get the grain separate and so she doesn't have to carry all of the grain and the chaff with her and she Uh, had an epa of barley. That is six gallons of barley. That's a lot of barley, you know. So, um, you know, why? Why does she need that much? Well, because she's providing for Ruth also, right? And so she has all of this barley that she's bringing home. But how often is harvest, Harvest isn't year round. So you need to be able to collect enough to have you know, stuff to last for a long time. And so she was collecting this, bringing it home, and storing away the rest of it at the same time probably some of it was going to market to be sold. So you have money to buy everything else that you need. You still need clothing and other vegetables and you can trade for other foods there in the market. And so that's why the abundance, she needed as much as possible to provide for both her and Naomi. And when she took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned, she brought out and gave to her what she had kept back and she, uh, after she had been satisfied. So she took the doggy bag and gave it to Naomi so that Naomi had something to eat. You see, because she's bringing grain home, it still has to be prepared. It still has to be processed to be cooked and then, you know, so uh, she was bringing back stuff, not that it was ready to eat. Uh, It wasn't a chicken that you pick up at Costco, it was just grain. And so that's why she brought back the doggy bag for Naomi, and so Naomi had something to eat uh, while uh, they were taking care of the rest of the grain. And her mother-in-law said to her, where have you gleaned today? And where did you work? Blessed be the one who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name whom I worked today, and with whom I work today, is Boaz. Notice the term work. You see, it's work that she had to go do. That was work picking up all of the grain and, and getting it all together and then carrying it all, you know, beating it and then carrying it all. That's work that she was doing. It wasn't work to benefit Boaz. It wasn't that he was paying her to do that. It was collecting it for her and Naomi. But. Boaz wasn't benefiting at all from this work that was being done, but she was out there truly working. Regardless of whether or not she was being paid, she was working very hard at doing that. And so uh, this is someone that has a work ethic. She actually goes and does what needs to be done. Uh, She wasn't going and expecting someone to give her something that, I think that's our society today. A lot of the younger people expect to be given something free you know, without having to work for it. What do you mean I have to work for it, you know? That, that's what you have, the government has money for, you just give it to me. You have all that money, you can just print more <laughs> and, and give it. Isn't that how it works? I know that you know that's not how it works. And uh, so she was working very hard for this, but she recognized uh, this man who I worked with as Boaz, and Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, blessed be he of the Lord who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and the dead. And Naomi said to her, this man is a relation of ours, one of our close relatives, This is a great opportunity for not only Naomi, but for Ruth, because having a close relation like this means that they have someone that can redeem what they lost previously because of the death of their husbands. And this is, Naomi probably lit up at this point Boaz, he's a relation. He's someone that can help us if he wants to. You know, the key thing is that they don't have to. They can choose to. And if he wants to, he can help. If not, well, they're on their own. They can glean. So. Ruth the Moabitess said, he also said to me, you shall stay close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women and that people do not meet you in any other field. So Naomi saying, Ruth, this is good that he's telling you to stay close. And I'm telling you, stay close. Don't go to any other field. As Christians, we need to take that advice. Don't go to any other field. I know people who practice Christianity. They just don't practice very well. have you ever been to a doctor, you know, the doctor's practices, you know? Have you ever been to a doctor that needs more practice, that isn't very good at what he does? Maybe he doesn't have a good bedside manner, or or he's just not good at his diagnosis. And uh, you go to the doctor, and, and you're like, I, I didn't get what I expected uh, out of that. And... and um, We as Christians need to stay and um, go deeper in our walk with Jesus so that we're not a poor representation of who we are in Christ. You know, doctors go into the medical field because it's a good career, good money. We shouldn't be in the church because uh, it's good for us. I can network with others and, you know, maybe make some business uh, deals with people at church. I can sell my Amway and, uh, you know, and I I have, you know, uh, I know some of you are laughing saying Amway. What? Where did he come up with that? But, um, (laughs) you know, it's just reality is that that's why some people go to church is for the, or they just like to be around other people and connect with other people and stuff. That's not what we're supposed to be going to church for. It's to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And so if she goes to other fields, um, there's the possibility of being led astray. The possibility of, hey, you know what? There are other men in those fields. Maybe one of them will marry you. And now you'll have a husband, and now you have someone to take care of you. And so as Christians, we need to remember who we are in a relationship with. I know lots of Christians that find it just as acceptable to listen to other smart people, like Confucius, you have a name like confucius people would be confused right but but you know people listen to confucius and 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 or buddha or or all of these people that supposedly have wise words well maybe their words are wise according to the world but i don't care about wise i care about truth i want to know the way the truth and the life i don't care about feeling good about something somebody tells me. I care about understanding and knowing the truth and living by the truth so that I can discern the truth from a lie. And while Ruth stays in this field working, she's staying in the place, first of all, we've heard it numerous times now, the Lord is blessing her in this place. The Lord has put her, even Naomi said, the Lord is blessing you here. This is of the Lord. And if you go off into other fields, you can be distracted. Maybe by a handsome guy that's out in the field and, and you know, Ruth was very beautiful. And so maybe someone would see her and decide, you know what, I want her as part of you know, my family and marry her. Or maybe have other intentions for her that aren't so honorable. And even the women in the other field would probably mistreat her because she's a Moabitess. And so they both, Naomi and Boaz, both said, stay in this field and work this field. And so she stayed close by the young woman of Boaz to glean until the end of the barley harvest and the wheat harvest. And she dwelt with her mother-in-law. So this is over a period of time that she was there staying during these harvests, and she dwelt with her mother-in-law. Chapter three, then Naomi her mother-in-law, said to her, my daughter, shall I not seek security for you, that it may be well with you? Now, Boaz, whose young woman you were with, is he not our relative? In fact, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. And so, obviously, Naomi knows a little bit about agriculture and what's going on there. And and uh, it was just part of their culture. And so she knew, hey, he's going to be down there winnowing at the threshing floor. And winnowing, like I said, they throw it up and the breeze takes the chaff and then the grain falls to the ground. Well, during the day, it's hot. There's not a lot of wind during the day. And so it's not a a real good time to be doing that. Besides, you're in the heat. Israel is very much like Arizona. And the temperature, the climates are very similar. And so when you're out there working in the sun, you're not going to be able to work very long, you know, throwing this grain up in the air. But in the evening is when the wind picks up. And that's a great time to be winnowing, to be throwing this up in the air, blowing away the chaff, and taking the grain and, uh, and storing that up. And so she said, hey, he's down there winnowing. He said, tonight at the threshing floor. And therefore, wash yourself and anoint yourself and put on your best garment and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking that's the best time to get to know a man, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, when I'm hungry, that's not the time to, to engage in, in, in any kind of banter, you know? Because the banter is gonna go, oh honey, did you hear about this? No, and what about the food? You know, uh, what about dinner? You know, where, where are we going? What are we eating? You know, and, and so men uh, kind of, you know, that's like when Peter was up there on the roof and it was lunchtime, you know, and he was just getting hungry and he was all confused and he starts to have this dream about sheets coming down with all these animals on it. And I'm like, oh, you know, that's an advertisement for barbecue. <laughs> and, and And, you know, that's what I'm looking at. But you know, here, Boaz, he's going to go out there, work all day, and now he's going to be eating and drinking and resting uh, there on the threshing floor. So she is told to go get ready, go get dressed up, you know, and then go down to after he's done eating and drinking. Then it shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies, and you shall go in uncover his feet and lie down and he will tell you what you should do and so everybody understands that right (laughs) you know you have to really think about this you know what is is he talking about is that a custom in Israel you uncover the feet and now you know what's going on right hey my feet are uncovered no it's nothing like that but she's going to go. Uncovering the feet would wake someone up, but not in a jarring way, not in a, hey, wake up. Uncovering the feet, the, the feet will get cold and they'll get uncomfortable and, and they'll wake up, you know. And so she told her to go do that and he will tell you what to do. And she said to her, all that you say to me, I will do. And so she went down to the threshing floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law instructed her. And after Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was cheerful, (laughs) guys, you you know what she's talking about there. And he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain and she came softly, uncovered his feet and lay down. And now it happened at midnight that the man was startled and turned himself and there a woman was lying at his feet. And he said, who are you? And so she answered. Now remember, he didn't have the night light on. It's middle of the night, midnight, dark, you know, maybe clouds, maybe not, who knows. But He said, who are you? And so she answered, I am Ruth, your maidservant. Take your maidservant under your wing, for you are a close relative. She just proposed to Boaz. She just asked Boaz, take me as your wife. Take me under your wing, under your protection, because I'm a relative And you, because you being a relative, can do that. You can fulfill that role and taking me in. And then he said, blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter. Once again, Boaz goes straight to the fact that this is a blessing from the Lord upon Ruth. Blessed are you, for you have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning, in that you did not go after young men, whether poor or rich." See, he watched what she was doing. She didn't go to find the best deal out there. Uh, She stayed with Boaz, and she worked the field, and she did what she was told to do, and God is going to bless her. Now, my daughter, do not fear, for I will do for you all that you request. For all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman. The people of the town, the words getting around. This Moabite woman came here and she's living like a Jew. She's living as a virtue, as a matter of fact, she's probably living better than some of the Jewish women who would reject her. She is living a virtuous life. And, you know, here he has no problem with Ruth because he knows that she is a woman of virtue. And in verse 12, we're told, now It is true that I am a close relative. However, there is a relative closer than I. Stay this night and in the morning it shall be that if he will perform the duty of a close relative for you, good. Let him do it. But if he does not want to perform the duty for you, then I will perform the duty for you as the Lord lives. Lie down until morning. Now he's telling her to lie down, but he's not like, here's my blanket, come on. That's not what he's doing. She's going to lie at his feet. What a perfect picture of our relationship with Christ. We are at his feet. We're bowed down before his feet. We're waiting for him. He's coming to take us as the bride. And we just waiting for that moment where he calls us, where he brings us into his presence. What a joyous time. But until then, we're at his feet, learning, growing in him, growing in our relationship and our knowledge of him. He's going to perform the duty. You know what kind of peace she has from that? Even if he doesn't, even if the other closer redeemer, kinsman redeemer, If that other person then decides to take her, at least she's covered, at least she now has a family, but if not, she knows that Boaz just made a promise to her, if not him, then I will. And now she can have peace. So she lay at his feet until morning. And she arose before one could recognize another. And then he said, do not let it be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. So he's telling his men, don't let anyone know she was here. Because she's a virtuous woman. He doesn't want that to get out there. Why didn't he send her home at midnight? Why didn't he just say, oh, get get out of here so nobody sees you? Because can you imagine... Ruth, walking home at midnight and someone runs into her, what are you doing out at this time of night? The only people out at that time of night are not doing good things. And if he was walking her home, that would be even worse. You know, what are you guys doing out at this time of night? You know you shouldn't be out here doing this. So he protected her by having her stay there, and she got up when people weren't able to tell who anyone was. When that time of the morning, when you when it's dark out and you can't really see faces, you can just see that there is another person there. And uh, so, when uh, let me see. Also, bring the shawl that is on you and hold it. And when she held it, he measured six epahs of barley and laid it on her. And then she went into the city. Uh, This is huge. Now, first of all, the shawl was probably pretty big. She probably was wrapped up in it at his feet because it's chilly out there at the threshing floor. And so uh, she was probably wrapped in that. Now, she took it out and he put enough barley in there six times. Remember one epa is six gallons. And you know, he put a massive amount of barley and she's now, he said he laid it on her. So she probably, they probably tied it and it's wrapped around her and it's a big huge bundle. And now she's carrying that home. And she went into the city and when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, is that you, my daughter? She's coming now with this big thing of, of barley. And, and is that you, my daughter? Is that you or Quasimodo? What is that thing that you're carrying there as you're coming uh, here into the house? And she told her all that the man had done for her. And she said, these 6 epa's of barley he gave to me. For he said to me, do not go empty-handed to your mother-in-law. So... He's showing that I'm going to protect your family. I'm going to take care of both Ruth and Naomi. And then she said, sit still, my daughter, until you know how the matter will turn out. For the man will not rest until he has concluded the matter this day. And so, wow, what a story. Boaz is now going To go talk with the other relative that is the closer relative. But here Ruth goes home to Naomi and Ruth is told, wait, wait, because we need to figure out, we need to wait for the story to conclude, wait for everything to finish. And he's not going to waste one moment, he's going to go and take care of this today. But we have to wait until we find out how, what, what the rest of the story is. And I'm sure that there was a comfort not only for Naomi but for Ruth knowing that she has a future now. Somehow she's either going to have a husband she never met before or she's going to have this Boaz who has demonstrated love, the love of God in her life and poured out love and blessing upon her. Man, she's hoping it's him. But, you know, uh, either way, she knows that now she's covered, she's welcomed him to this family. As Christians, we are adopted into the family of God. You know, and that's the most awesome thing Uh, It's hard for us to even imagine, you know, being adopted into the family of Bill Gates. while he has all that wealth and man, just think, you know, uh, being adopted. I I don't care about the wealth of this world when I know that the riches of God are what I really have access to. As an adopted child of God, we have unlimited resources, unlimited wealth, and none of it matters. All that matters is I know I'm going to be in the presence of God for eternity. That should be where our peace is. That should be where our comfort comes from. Not in everything that comes with it, just in the fact itself that we can call him daddy. That he is our Abba Father, our Daddy. And that we get to spend eternity with him. And so what joy. All we have to do is wait. We just have to wait it out. A day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as a day with the Lord. And we don't have to wait a thousand years, fortunately. Because we're pretty much all old. And um, we're we're going to be leaving here soon, so you know it's not a thousand years; it's it's moments before He returns to take us home. Amen.